These lads are mental, recognises the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation as the custodians and traditional owners of Sydney. We pay respect to their ancestors and elders, past and present, and value their continuing connection to lands, living culture, and integral contribution to the bright and inclusive future of this beautiful city that we call home. Welcome to These Lads Are Mental, a podcast from two guys on a mission to normalise mental health. This show is a lighthearted approach that features expert guests discussions, topics, and everyday thoughts around the subject matter. But before we start today's show, please listen to our disclaimer. This podcast is just a group of opinions from different people and is not to be treated as medical advice. If you do suffer with a mental health condition, please consult your physician or contact a support group such as Lifeline. Thank you. Hi, everybody. How are you? Welcome to These Lads Are Mental. This is our very first podcast, a bit of a pilot here. So excuse any errors or mistakes along the way. Um, well, my name is Neil O'Sullivan, and I'm joined by Gary. Say hello, Gary. How you doing, everyone? What's happening? <laughs> Great. Hello, Gary. Um, now, before we start, um, you might hear me reference uh, Shagger throughout this uh, podcast and um, I thought we might as well try and nip that in the buds uh, before we get stuck in. Gary, maybe explain what shagger means outside of what maybe some people might think it literally means. Uh, ah, I mean, in Glasgow anyway, it's just a, a term of endearment, just basically, all right, mate. So how you doing, shagger? What's happening, shagger? It's basically, a, it's a more of a friendly term than anything else, but I mean, you can take it... Um, in any way you like. If someone calls me shagger, I like to pretend it's, it's got a literal meaning. But <laughs> <laughs> when you when you used to be cool. <laughs> I used to be cool. That's, but in a nutshell, that's what it is, mate. Just a friendly, how you doing, mate? Friendly, how you doing? I suppose a bit like old oh, mate is what they kind of say over here, right? You know, they go, oh, old mate over there is, you know, grabbing his coffee, you know? Aye, same thing, aye. I've had shagger over there grabbing his coffee. <laughs> You might probably don't say that too loud at an Australian coffee shop or you could get in trouble. <laughs> Look at that. Shit. <laughs> one of the funny Irish ones actually is uh, you're one or you're a man. So, you know, you're a man, you, I, your man's a big one. I. Yeah. And a lot of Aussies go, Why is he your man? Oh, I, t- I thought you had a partner. And you're like, oh, no, no, I don't mean like literally he's mine. <laughs> like, just, I, uh, my, my partner's obviously Aussie and she's everything. When I first started saying, oh, you're a man. She, she, that was exactly the same literal meaning of like your man what do you mean your man but yeah they couldn't get I, it I like, I, like, I like that term yeah let's um let's also put a little disclaimer that we're both in partnerships with australians so we're we're half aussies really even though we um, both yeah, I, I, I can't really call my missus an aussie she prefers to be called serbian but okay. I'll, <laughs> you but might I'll get in trouble i will in trouble i so let's just say she's serbian as well that keeps everything nice and straight <laughs> good to know good to know and um, well have you got everything before you start i've got my crystals here charged ready to go you know i'm actually not one of those crazy full moon people but i do somehow have two crystals on my you know home desk so hopefully uh, they'll, they'll guide us through this podcast some, someone, someone broke in and put them there <laughs> i think I missed a few key things out, mate. And from my point of view, mate, I think what led me to even talk to you was about your background, even working with some mental health organisations in the past and some charities. Maybe give people listening just a quick snapshot of that if they've even made it this far on the podcast. 
we've got one more listener so that yeah look um, <laughs> i've actually been pretty aware of my own mental health like situations since i've been a teenager really like i felt like i i knew early on that i had depression and then later in life due to recreational things um during my 20s like i felt like uh you know anxiety and panic attacks started to come about and because i am a bit gregarious and like talking about it which is like as you can imagine gary is a bit as well like not that you could see it as like a bonus but it was like you kind of feel like i don't know if you, maybe you agree with me you feel like fuck i should really do something with this if i'm okay with speaking about it openly and there's many people maybe who aren't like maybe we should do something about it so it got me involved with this amazing social enterprise actually i'd probably call it which is called the light ball which started in ireland um actually around i think 2010 2011 so i was actually already in australia at that point but a friend of ours from the local community and um, passed away um through suicide unfortunately and it was just one of you know a few that were very close to home and a lot of our friends got together as a way of mourning really like to kind of go well like let's just get together as a group and see can we just support each other and then uh, there's two amazing brothers called will and mick mcgee who both live in sydney now as well from Leopard Sound, and I'm from Slorgan in Dublin, so around the corner. And um, they started this black tie gala ball called the Light Ball, which again was a way to mourn, but also to raise money and like celebrate. Our, you know, uh, Kieran Walsh, who was our friend who had sadly passed away, um, and it just spiraled. You know, in 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 such an amazing way. And then the guys came to Sydney. We met each other up in fitness first one time, and they were like, "Hey, mate, would you be involved or would interested in being involved?" And that was it. And then the light ball ran is still going today. I think there's been six or seven consecutive years. It's now in, there was one in um, Dubai. There's been ones in back home in Ireland. There's been Melbourne, Sydney, and we've raised over a million dollars. Um, so fantastic. Um, I suppose movement of just volunteerism um, uh, shared goals of trying to do something around mental health because so many people do get affected by it. I think it's um you know, one in four in Australia will suffer with some kind of mental health condition in their lifetime. And the charity that we worked with was called Batyr, uh, B-A-T-Y-R. And they're an amazing group because they actually work specifically with the youth. And we learned so much about what mental health is statistically, scientifically through the work that they do. And I think it's up to like 75% of mental health conditions manifest before you turn 18. Um, and then if you're not familiarized with it or it's not normalized or it's not spoken about when you become an adult like anything in life i'm still learning how to fucking swim and i'm nearly 40 and you know, when, me. <laughs> when you're older like it's harder to retrain your brain versus when you're a kid right so they actually go into schools and they have these speaker programs where they you know, someone maybe who was struggling themselves, who's come out the other end, you know, goes to the school and, you know, gives them a really inspirational talk and they educate all the kids on the, you know, what it really is and things like that. And it's just amazing, amazing charity. And they're doing such great work. And then um, um, it's been f fantastic to be involved in that. And um, yeah, long may that continue. And uh, yeah, I think it's the, the, their goal is to break down the stigma and to normalize it, but normalize it in a good way, like normalize it. I think like 
you know, I've had a dream before that hopefully at some point we can talk about our mental health just as easy as we can talk about, let's say, our dietary restrictions. So, you know, people are now oh, I'm vegan or gluten free or, you know, whatever. My coffee order is pretty embarrassing, but I'm not going to repeat it now. But like, wouldn't it be amazing if you felt so comfortable that like we all felt so comfortable that you could just go, oh, yeah, you know, I suffer with anxiety. You know, it is what it is, you know, and and then the more people that are aware of it, like the better, you know, as you were saying, if you wake up one day and you're having a shit day, but your partner is aware of who you are and your situation, you're in a much better place to deal with it than you just being, you know, I saw suffering in silence. And that's one of the big like objectives of Batir is out of a classroom of 30 kids in Australia. I think it's seven will suffer with mental health, they say. And out of the seven, um, I think it's two or three will suffer in silence, you know, um, statistically. So their goal is to try and get to those who maybe would be a little bit more cagey about coming forward about their thoughts. Um, but that's why the light ball exists. You know, in essence, we actually spent five or six years trying to figure out what the hell it was we even did. And in a nutshell, we ended up working with this uh, creative agency. And after like two days of workshops in a room locked away, it, we came out with one very simple vision, which was the light ball, which was the black tie event. The goal was to, it was basically the first step on the ladder for somebody to go down their own health journey. So if you went to that ball and no one else in your family or friendship knew that you had any kind of mental health condition, but just by being there, seeing like-minded people, everyone having a laugh, talking about it, you know, hopefully that was inspiring enough for them to go and speak to somebody about it. There's sometimes many ladders and steps, but, you know, it's just taking that first step, mate. You know what I mean? That's often the hardest part. But once you take that first step, trust me, it does get better. You know, was that one sentence? That was one of those big long sentences again. What about you? Um, you know, this is renting specific that brought you to because it's like anything in life, right? You're like, oh, I'd love to do something about that. And then you keep saying it, you keep saying it, but then sometimes it just sticks, right? Like what for you, like was the catalyst to do something about it? Yeah. Oh, look, I, I, without going too, too deep about it, um, maybe on a future podcast, but I mean, as I said, working with um, mainly footballs and one of the boys I, uh, I was working with recently, last year, I'd worked him for probably about two or three years. <clears throat> and last year he had a bit of just basically, I didn't even know he had any mental health issues or concerns. And then he contacted me. And this is a boy who's playing a good level, who's a good player, who's potentially going over to Europe to play. Um, and then he contacted me and basically told me to put on 20 kilograms. He'd headspace was, was not a good place, etc. And that's why I hadn't been in touch for so long. Um, again, for me, I was thinking, I've not spoke to him in like four or five months. How has that happened? And then got him back on. This is just a, a short synopsis of it, but basically he came, came back on board, got him back into a good place. And um, a year and a half on, he's now, oh, he's back to, he's like lost like 15 kilograms. He's now on his own business. He's back, back training a lot all the time. Loving life, absolutely loving life again. Um, and yeah, it just made me realize thinking to myself like, like I have all these thoughts all the time and I'm fortunate enough to have, be educated have people around me help me deal with it and um, make it very, very, very mild. But 
I'm aware of these thoughts. I'm thinking so many people out there must be having these thoughts all the time. Like there, mu there must be. And there's so many people who don't want to talk about it. And even me, who I'm, I'm happy to talk about whatever, but I still struggle to articulate it and speak about how, how like, what it even is that's happening. And even right now, try to explain it. I struggle to explain what it is I feel sometimes. I'm thinking some people, if that eventually is just bottled up and bottled up and bottled up, that's going to explode, man. That's something's not going to go well there. Whether it be the most severe side of things, and that boy I was talking about, his mum told me like, without the discussions I had with him, I pretty much saved his life. Like I'm not gonna say I saved his life, but those steps around there could have taken a different direction, and it just hit, really hit me hard. It was just like unbelievable how much impact I had by doing what I thought was just normal steps and being there for them, just pretty much being there for them and having mm -hmm. somebody to talk to. That's a very, that's a very, that's one end of the spectrum. The far end of the spectrum and is often the side of the spectrum that people think of when they think of mental health. Mm -hmm. But I think of, it made me realise, shit, that's, that's got to that. Can we have those conversations way before then? Mm -hmm. And me working with people in, on their, their, the, the performance both on and off the football pitch or in, in and out of the workplace and their sleep nutrition, how they train, how they manage their lifestyle. I thought if I'm in a good place to help these people and, and even use my network to give advice and use experts to, to help them. I thought there's not enough people who are willing to go and not necessarily go and give out all their, all their feelings and be so open with people not comfortable being open with. More a case of, right, well, I know changing my nutrition. I know doing these certain little things could make me feel better. Okay, well, maybe going a walk. I didn't even think about going a walk. I didn't even think about sleeping a certain way or going a, doing this or training a certain way or talking to a certain person or just going out for a laugh. It's going to help me. And it gets rid of those things and we never get to that side of the spectrum we're discussing. So that was that was a more recent thing. Um, it really, really hit home with me. And then again, like I've mentioned already, the, the, the lockdown has just massively, massively seen. I've probably seen more people... Yeah, they've, they've spoke to me, more people around me have spoke to me, who brought up, have said to me, oh man, this is, this is really hard, this mm. is, I'm really struggling with this, mm. which is great, because it's like, oh, that's, I've never heard you speak to me like this before, but it's good that they're speaking to them, and trying my best not to just give advice, like, oh, you should try this, you should try this, it's just like, yeah, same, same, I'm feeling exact listening, same. yeah, yeah. And then just sort of empathising, like, pff, feel the exact same, man, it's so hard. Yeah, it's it so is. It's a good point you made there because sometimes trolling advice is something like actually doesn't do the person that much good, you know. And I think just being uh, being an ear for them to like, especially if it's the first time that they're saying to them, they're probably better off just like listening. Um, and but uh, maybe that's a like there is definitely pros to the whole COVID situation. I think you nailed one there. Like people are softening a bit, they're opening up a bit more, and they're talking about this because they know everyone's in the same boat, you know, to a certain extent, which is good, but. Also, like, as you said, like one one little thing can make a huge difference. You know, Sue always slags me because I say loud to every Tom, Dick and Harry on the walk. Like I'm always like morning and like half the people just ignore you. But you just don't know, like that person could have had the shittest day. And like just saying hello yeah. could be the difference to them just pulling through that day. And like even with the light bulb, like we used to say, like, if we save one life with this, you know, it's worth it. Like, you know, um, and there's all the there's all those. There's great movements, even, you know, I don't have you have you seen that thing? I don't know if it's just Eastern Suburbs or if it's a national thing, but the whole fuck the cup thing, which is, um, you know, takeaway coffee cups and 
you know, it's very easy to kind of get into the train of thought of going, ah, like what's one coffee cup? I only have one coffee a day. Like I'm not going to make an impact. But imagine if everyone had that same attitude, you know, and that's what they're doing now where like, you know, you can mobilize people that way. Like it's just one baby step. But then that kind of, um, you know, grows into something much bigger and much stronger. And like, you know, it's a kind of nice way to think of your own health that maybe it is just going to that one yoga class, you know, or for you, Gary, it might have been that, that guy going to one of your training sessions might have been the thing. And there's actually even a great another mental health ch charity in Bondi called One Wave. And it's uh, set up by a local Bondi guy who's a bit of a legend. And I think for him, it was like one of his mates, like, you know, he was having very bad thoughts and one of his mates has just dragged him out to go for a surf. And he said that surf was what saved his life. So every Friday, at, I think 6 a.m., he goes down to Bondi Beach. They do a bit of a meditation. People are invited to wear fluoro. And I think um, Prince uh, William and his wife, Kate, when they were in Australia, they actually went and, and did the Friday morning thing. So, and then, you know, for him, it was just one surf. And now look what it's done, you know. Um, so you just don't know, do you? You know, even from small things, you know, they can grow into something bigger, which, you know, is a great message as well. Both of us have been thinking about doing something in this space for quite some time. Um, and with COVID and lockdown and everything, it kind of feels like there's no better time really to be discussing this, considering how much of an issue mental health is. Um, but we really just want to try and break down the stigma here and, it's not our intention at all um, to offend anybody throughout this podcast. It's really just to try and normalize it, but normalize it in a good way because, you know, there has been so much taboo around mental health for years and generations and probably, oh God, centuries, right? Um, and now we're finally starting to get to that point where we can talk about it, which is great. So that's really what we're going to try and do. So Gary, one of the things that you and I have spoken about before is the imposter syndrome. Can you just explain to listeners what that is? Imposter syndrome is a massive one in this day and age, depending on what sort of, I think there are people who are fairly ambitious, they're always trying to put themselves in, in different environments and connect with new people and all the rest of it. And as soon as you meet someone new, like I could have spoke to you, or hadn't spoke to you in a, a couple of months, spoke to you like last week and it's like, oh, what are you up to? You could have told me something in that conversation. I, I instantly think, man, he's doing really well, man. And I've instantly think, I, didn't, I shouldn't be doing this podcast with him, man. He's well above my stage. Like, Mm, I don't deserve mm. to be, but do you know what I mean? And that's how that thing starts to happen, which is mental. Uh, again, mm. I've said mental again, but that is yeah. that phrase I use is mental. Is mental just means isn't like. I mean, I can't even put a, a way of explaining mental either. And I think that's why when you said let's call it, these lads are mental, from in Scotland, like you said, or on Ireland, when you're saying mental, it's kind of crazy, it isn't, isn't it? It's crazy. I don't even like as you. As you said, the guy down the street, the local guy down the street who, I don't know, who walks about with a big staffy dog and just, <laughs> just yeah. I mean, does whatever. Like, I would say oh, that guy's mental. I don't even mean that in terms of, like, he's a bad person or he's going to go and potentially harm himself or he's going yeah. to be dangerous. I just mean he doesn't act in the way that everyone around me acts. Yeah. But again, that can be completely... That can be... I know what you mean. I think, yeah, it almost is a kind of a term of endearment, really, isn't it? Like, you're kind of just going, ah, he's, he's mental. And it's like, it's more I, like... Well, that's a good thing. A good thing, like, if you, if, uh, football, for a great example, when a football football team, well, some guys I've played with or been part of a squad with, and you go like, oh, I love him, man. He's just, he's just, and you can't explain what he is. He's, oh, he's just mental. It's just mental. But you yeah. love him. He's, just, oh, he's a great laugh. Or, yeah. I, I mean, I think that's... 
but it's, e- it's even a it's even a kind of a good thing because you know i don't know about you but like growing up sometimes sometimes you kind of flip you know you do 180 sometimes you're like oh, i just want to be normal and that was kind of maybe a very old-fashioned way of thinking even with society and work like i just want to be normal i just want to have a job i want to earn a living and that's it whereas that like but then sometimes you kind of go well i want to be different i'm not like everybody else you know i, I want to be different and i think um it's only really like probably this generation like we're both millennials but you know maybe us and younger will people actually start to maybe really lean into that a little bit more than maybe previous generations where it's like it's actually good to be different that's why there's seven billion of us on this planet and we're all uniquely different there's not one the same um as you were saying um everyone thinks differently everyone looks differently and that's a that's a good thing right that should be a strength of ours even as a as the human race right like we all have these amazing skills we all do different things it's time we should actually celebrate that rather than do the opposite you know what i mean um so maybe mental is a good thing (laughs) if you went back on that guy with the staffy who maybe burst a soccer ball because he had ruined his flowers like maybe you're like (laughs) (laughs) that 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 may you're right me and that's i think i would say in now modern days people are getting more comfortable in what like how they act how they behave and all the rest of it but there is still I mean, society is a big part of that at the end of the day. Like, if well, you're... I've got a question for you, right? So if I was to say to you now, right, t- 2021, maybe even just taking COVID out of situation, but do you reckon that we are in a safe time? Is like, you know, is do you, what's your thoughts on the world? Like the current state, do you think we're in a good place? Is it scary? Like, what do you reckon? Say that again, sorry, but without... You said taking COVID but like not thinking of COVID because everybody, you know, now everybody will think, oh, COVID is like, obviously it's a bad situation. But generally, do you think the world is in a good place right now? Or, you know, do you think like it's a bit scary? There's a lot of bad stuff going on. Where do you think we are right now, let's say, compared to the past? I mean, I wouldn't say it's different from the past. I just think we're getting more aware of what's going on around us because of the media um, yeah. that's available to us. I mean, these things... I mean, the, the examples you'll get, I mean, maybe whether it be war on the news or, I mean, bad news. Let's just say any bad news or things that are just generally not great for the world. Mm. In the 70s, 60s, 50s and beyond, they've, they've always happened. It's mm. not like mm. murders or, or war is a new thing or yeah. like all these thoughts are new things, but all that's happening now is because we can see it pretty much on a feed constantly mm. to us. And not just on a feed, they're getting opinions battered at you from all sorts of angles. Um, and again, even taking COVID into the conversation, which is probably a huge, a huge one on that, probably been amplified everything. But I think, yeah, I don't think it's different. I just think we're becoming more aware of everything. I yeah, well, that's the, all it is. the reason why I was asking that was because um, I think statistically we live in the safest time, like let's say per person across the world, than we have done before. But Which class is what do you mean by safest? Well, you know, in terms of like people dying or countries that are in war or you know things like that i think like there's a lot of we actually are in a very safe time however as you were saying connectivity and the fast pace of news or like news or quote unquote news whatever you may call it we feel like we're not um so like you know even as we do this podcast you know the afghanistan situation is only fairly fresh and you know it's just so sad looking at all the stories coming out and the images and you know, you kind of feel like, gosh, I wish I could, you know, do something about it. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people are are facing that kind of stuff as well as, especially for empaths who are out there, you know, who look at things and then you kind of get sad and then, uh, you know, like it all, and then it has that big, huge ripple effect. And um certainly don't know what the answer is to any of that, but 
yeah it's just interesting how that connectivity both on a personal level like the micro level like as you were saying the guy down the road who maybe you know has set up a new business where you're like fuck you know that guy's doing well to the macro level where you're like oh my god what's happening in afghanistan is awful like you know we're kind of getting that from all all sides right yep oh and i think that's it mate you can't it's very hard to escape it unless unless you detach yourself from hmm. your mobile phone from the tv from and that's a massive part of it but then on the flip side of that social media or mobile phones or media etc there's a lot of positives to it as well i mean right now we're able to have this conversation through that that means uh, i'm able to connect my family back home so but naturally because of the way things have been designed these days is I'm on my phone on WhatsApp, talk to my mum and dad. I'll get a notification through Instagram. I'll pop on that. 30 minutes later, I'm, I've been bombarded with all this information subconsciously, consciously of the Afghanistan situation, of the COVID situation, mm -hmm. of the guy around the corner who's doing really well for himself or whatever. I mean, that's just mm -hmm. me throwing things out there, but you're getting that at all angles. And then you walk outside and there's a conversation to the guy at the coffee shop of some other topics and a different opinion who maybe challenges your opinion and you feel a bit like, oh, am I a bad person for thinking this way? And then it's just this endless cycle of hmm. thoughts. Going all, and somebody, somebody showed me, a, I was on a phone call last week with a guy who was discussing all this stuff and he had an image on. It was just this person, it was a stick figure, but out of his head was just like 50 different colours. And he's like, do you ever feel like this? I'm like, that is exactly what my head feels like on a daily basis just mm. all those different colors meaning whatever but it just feels like they're all mashed together in there mm. and they're just it's chaos it's absolute chaos and isn't it remember you were saying later on about some days like isn't it weird how some days you wake up and you might have got good sleep you know i've eaten well the night before but you just feel like shit and like i'm talking like mentally and you just don't know what it is your anxiety might be just spiked or something like that. you go to a coffee shop someone goes oh you look tired and then you're like well, I look tired and it's like what's wrong with you and then you're like panicking and then then in other days you wake up and you've just got a pep in your step and you go out and you do a run and you're like you're smashing it and um so they, like yeah another little bit of advice might be just that like every day is different right like some days you just have good days it's not your fault it's just the way uh, sometimes the weather changes that can impact it you know it could be sunny and then it rains on a day which it's doing right now in Sydney you know, anything can, like, there's all these different factors that can can do it. So it, I think that was good advice you gave at the top was like, it's just a day. Just worry about being present, getting through that day, you know, and tomorrow's a whole new day, right? You know, you're a different person the next day, you know. I mean, the thought of, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, it's fucking exhausting to expect to every single day eat well, Hell, eat perfectly, sleep really, really well. You train, you're in a good mood with every single person you meet. You go to work, you smash it at work, you're buzzing around your family, your partner. It's just exhausting to expect to do that every single day. And that's obviously why sometimes you need downtime, sometimes you need to go out and maybe you go and get pissed or you go and do whatever you want to do in your, your spare time, or you go and eat a burger or pizza and not feel, give a fuck about it because it tastes brilliant. Mm. But I think the nowadays, there is so much about like um, self improvement and try you can try and be the best version of yourself and all that sort of thing. You're always feeling that you have to be like that all the fucking time. And if you compare that to and because I work with mostly like I'm into like athlete development and stuff like I look at like the highest performers. They don't like even a football team. You think of a preseason off season. You don't train to be the best you can every single day. They peak for certain moments throughout the time and just like. 
everything because it's impossible. You need to have an off day. You need to have a recovery day. You need to have a, a build up. You've had a few. You've had a, a downtime, or you've had a bad. Or compare that to time in your life. A bad time in your life. You've had bad news from back home. You can't just wake up the next day and be here we go back to normal. You need time to uh, grieve or whatever it mm. may be, and then gradually get yourself back into a good mindset. Like maybe you go to one party during the week or one social setting, and then you don't for a couple of weeks, and you build it into two. Like mm. in terms mm. of just those small, small steps. And the same thing, you've had a bad day. Hey, worries me. Bin it. Tomorrow's a new day. If you haven't, if you're on a bad day, Eddie, it's fine. But if you're aware that it was a bad day and you know why it was a bad day, that's half the battle at the end of the day. You're not a bad person or you yeah. feel any different. I think bringing the awareness, self-awareness of how you feel and why you feel that way. Maybe not be able to put exactly a finger on the pulse, like you said. I slept well today. I ate well today. Why did I not feel great? Why am I paranoid? All right, okay. Well, Get a good night's sleep. I can't remember who, who said this to me, but I remember someone said to me, it was so simple, and I think it's pretty good, good advice for the most of the population is, if you feel a bit dicey, whether it be physically or mentally, ask yourself, did I sleep last night? I'll get a good sleep last night. Do I need to just go for a walk? Have a drink. Have a drink, some water, and do I need some food? For instance, so if you've woke, it's 11 o'clock, you've slept like shit, or you've not had your breakfast, or you've not even moved at all. And maybe it could be as simple as that. It could just be a 15 minute walk around the block and you come back and go, I feel a bit better about myself. It could just be a glass of water and some and mm. some breakfast. And it's as simple as that. I think like bring it back down to foundational level sometimes can go a long way. Well, that's what like we probably will get to that deeper into the podcast. But like, you know, if you spoke to a professional right now, that's a, that's probably one of the things they'll do is you need to have mindsets or practices that can you know let's say calm calm yourself down and as you were saying to you it could be a walk it could be meditation it could be go for a jog it could be have a shower and you can just zap yourself out of that and so that's the kind of good news really like you know we were mentioning about how there's lots of different factors with mental health but there's also lots of great factors to help you and and we could go on for hours talking about each and every one of them and the good thing is like there is so many options and some might work for you, Gary, versus me. Like you might go on a meditation course, might change your life. You'd be fucking, you'd be sorted for the rest of your life. I might do a meditation course and go, oh, not for me. Dedicating 20 minutes a day, twice a day, it's not for me, but that's okay. Like don't feel guilty about that, you know, and sometimes it might take time for you to land on that kind of answer. But I think like self-awareness is definitely a, a key thing. And going through that journey, which can be challenging and overwhelming sometimes. And like when you first start doing it and those things pop into your head, you think, oh God, am I ever going to come out the other end? But you will, you know, and then being self-aware, the benefits of that then is that you can actually then have those tactics up your sleeve to go, as you were saying, you know, okay, I'm being a bit, you know, OTT on myself today. Just, you know, snap out of it, laugh at yourself, like joke in the mirror to yourself, you know, whatever it is that you can do. But if you don't, if you're not aware of that, sometimes then you don't know and you just keep plodding along as if like there's no hope. Um, and can I just say that I hate that term, the best version of yourself. Like, I think that's one of the worst terms that's come out of this whole like, you know, health and wellness thing. Because look, in one essence, I agree. Like, you know, you're trying to be a good person. You're trying to be, you know, the best version of yourself to me more is like, you know, yeah, as you were saying, getting good rest you know, eating well, like looking after yourself, but also like, you know, eating that burger if you want, have a beer if you, if you want as well. But like that constant, like you have to be the best version of yourself all the time. That actually just, I, I think is counterintuitive because 
then you then you're constantly in this like inertia of like I could do better I could do better and I remember a psychologist said to me once when are you ever going to be content with yourself and I was yeah. like oh I don't know maybe when I'm like 70 or 80 sitting on a porch with my grandkids running around blah 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 but he was like are you going to wait until you're 70 or 80 to realize you're happy or like your life is over like you know um well not over but you know you've spent most of your life um up until that point and that's just that really stuck with me before is that like yeah like of course you can aspire to do things but like you're never gonna be happy in yourself if you're constantly every day trying to be the best version of yourself you know what i mean exhausting me it's, it's not it's not here i don't think that's healthy i think it's mm. i think it's to aspire to be better uh, and, and enjoy the journey that's completely different from mm. or even like trying to be have a goal whatever your goal is like bucket lists and things like that are actually really good you know because like you know you can stick them on your wall and you can aim towards it but like don't be too hard in terms of like i have things like you know i want to go to an olympics um you know which you're not going to do tomorrow right but maybe in your lifetime you might do but like don't pressurize yourself to go oh it's been five years i haven't done it or i want to learn spanish or something like that like like some of those things take time, you know, um, you know, but don't, you know, don't overthink it either too much. Um, and the other thing you mentioned was sleep as well. I think sleep is a really important factor. Um, you know, you often hear people going, I don't need sleep and da, 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 da. But if lack of sleep is actually one of the key things that can bring on anxiety um, in yourself, if you're not getting enough rest and um, do you have any recommendations based on your work, like hours wise, or, you know, what would you say in terms of what's a good, you know, sleep routine? It's been, mate, one thing is, it's definitely individual. Um, I mean, there's countless people out there who tell you like sleep is, is just like a superpower effectively. It's a free, easy superpower. I think there's some good resources that people I've learned from, like Matthew Walker is pretty well known. He's got a book called Why We Sleep. Um, that's He's on countless podcasts and he's got a TED Talk as well. Definitely worth a listen. Uh, and there's another guy called Nick Littlehills. He works with a lot of athletes, like Cristiano Ronaldo, Gareth Bale, um, multiple different athletes. But he he talks about, I mean, traditionally you'll say like seven hours sleep plus. I would, me personally, I, I would say any players, eight hours sleep plus. Hmm. But Nick Littlehills is quite interesting because he talks about you don't necessarily need to get that eight hours in the one go, which I think for some people nowadays who've got very busy lives, so they're trying to do things all the same time, especially if you've got, I can't speak, I don't, I don't have kids, I don't have kids, but if you had kids, it might be something of doing it in a different way. So I think you'll see there's a lot of blogs that go about and it'll be like, Ronaldo takes seven naps a day. Like if it's, and that's you'll see people be like, oh, I'm going to start just napping. Seven naps. I then go and try and get going a football trial. But he's, Nick Littlewell basically talks about because, so say you're in um, the A-League here in Australia, like Wellington Phoenix, they don't have to travel around because obviously the location that they are in. So trying to be on a, sleep, a normal sleep schedule is very difficult. Hmm. Or if you talk about, um, I think of teams in the Euros as well, travelling all around Europe, trying to get a sleep schedule, get a training in, etc, etc. Rather than going, right, okay, well, bed at nine, up at six, or whatever it may hmm. be, up at five. It's a case of, well, cool, you need to get your eight-hour blocks in. Oh, yeah, sorry, over the course of week, 56 blocks, or I think, no, 90-minute cycles. That's what Nick Littlewell talks about, 90-minute cycles. Hmm. is a slip cycle. So as long as you get those total cycles in over the seven days, hmm. in terms of steady and rhythm, that's, that's pretty good. 
that's something that I'd probably suggest to someone who wants to go really individualise or there's someone who say, I can't get, it's impossible for me to get hours sleep. And there's loads of people I talk to and like, you need to try and get seven or eight hours sleep at least. And they're like, I can't get it, mate, impossible. Because I've got kids or I've got my work schedule, or I've got a session at five in the morning, I'm like, I work till 10. I'm like, cool. Well, there is strategies, there's always a strategy, but you can't just pretend that sleep is, yeah. oh, I can't do it, so I just don't sleep. So yeah. you're basically prioritising work or something else over sleep, which effectively is the foundation of having or being more productive at work or in life, etc. So, mm. or I mean, or like what you're saying later on, like the building blocks of like mental health, right? Like if you if you've got all those boxes ticked, you know, hopefully mental health will be even if you have a predisposition to something like it's probably low or it's in the background. Whereas like if you're not getting sleep, if you're drinking alcohol regularly if you're not exercising like the more those boxes you're not ticking you know let's say necessarily the more the chance that those things are going to start creep creeping up on you you know um and sleep is probably like the number one one on that in terms of like something that people don't really treat that seriously you know it's like ah sleep it's whatever like you know um but even like going to bed after 11 p.m can have you know, it's not as strong as anything before that in terms of circadian rhythms and things like that as well. And even like I'm, I'm a mouth breeder, which I'm learning a lot about that now, about the impacts that has on your health um, because you don't get the proper sleep. So, you know, retraining your brain into nose breeding and things like that. So like, you know, these are all just like steps on a ladder, you know, the kind of way. But like if you're not fulfilling some of them, that's when, you know, sometimes you can feel the effects. Yeah, well- that's it. like you said, mate. Um, people do we don't prioritize it at all, mate. At the end of the day, that's uh, it's, it's mental. I think that Matthew Walker says we are humans are the only mammals that voluntarily don't sleep. Just like nah, we don't. I mean, it's like it's like a bad. Some people as a badge of honor. Like do you mean like it? I think yeah. you're grown up. Like me, like late teens, early twenties. It was always like, oh, I've not slept in two days, and it was mm. like. Again, yeah. I'm mental. I've not slept in two days. Ooh, I'm not. I'm off my head. That was that was like a badge of honor for me. Like I've not. I've stayed up all the time. And I've been partying all the rest of it. When now, obviously, I try to do that now, I'd be an absolute riot. But like, but, remember, like a lot of CEOs and entrepreneurs, you'd hear that stuff coming out more so in the past of like, yeah, like you know, I only need two hours, and I'm like, you know, hotshot CEO, and that whole like, you know. I think it is changing with generations, right? The whole, like, you know, the old the American dream of, like, you know, I can do this and do that. Whereas now it's more around, like, you know, getting used to failure, which is, like, a big big paradigm shift, right, in generations. Like, it's okay to fail. Start a business that fails, fail again. Don't like a job. Quit it. Go on. Like, that's going to be really interesting to see how that manifests over time because, you know, previous generations didn't do that. Like, um, I don't know about your mom and dad, but, you know, my dad was a sparky, like worked for the same company for 20 odd years, like never dreamed of like, you know, you wouldn't dream of moving. If you were a lawyer, you were a lawyer. That's it. You know, if you're an accountant, you're an accountant. Whereas nowadays, like people yeah. are like, I don't like this job. Six months in, you're like, I'll go somewhere else. Like, you know, I'll retrain and I'll become like, you know, I don't know, an artist or something like, you know, which is great. Like, but um, yeah, it's interesting just to think about the the generations of like, um, and like that's one question actually I was going to ask you as well is like what do you think like if you think back to previous generations of like our parents and even let's say us to a certain extent like I don't know about you but like I definitely felt like it was brought up with you know the hard the hard knocks or the you know where it's like if you do something wrong it's like you know fix it you know um you know you wouldn't say you wouldn't cry or you'd hold in your emotions as you were saying earlier on 
and then you start to train yourself that way and i remember like when my granddad died like i wanted to cry but i couldn't cry i just I was like Fuck, i want to cry i want to cry and well if you're if you're if you've been training yourself not to show those emotions for years and years it's hard to change you know and then you fast forward let's say to the modern generations and maybe you would have you would be a better person here with like the kids and stuff that you train which feels like it's different now you know you can't go too hard on kids because they you know it impacts them more do you see that happening like and like you know you're saying with some of the guys that you train like are they more emotional now this next generation do you think um i mean again i definitely see a spectrum like so i mean i train players from 12 years old right up to men's like people going professional so i definitely see a spectrum mate. the the younger ones as a generational thing like good or bad it's a complete opinion thing but you need to be very careful how you discuss certain topics. But at the same time, I've got some, there's some players, so like say a 15, 16 year old boy, it does largely depend on how the, the environment at home, like their parent could be a lot tougher, like you said, could be like come from a different background where they've made them a bit maybe tougher skin and be like, no, no, they can talk to them in that certain way. And that's, that's, that's part of the coaching art of knowing how you discuss mm. certain things with certain players. With kids, young, like really young kids, that's more difficult because they're still sort of finding who they are as a person. As they get older and you know their personality type, like even yourself playing football at um, mm. amateur level, you know yourself, you can probably look around the change room and look, quickly look. Amateur football. And, uh, well, that, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, you might not know, but I come to the twilight years of the career, but you, you kind of do see the next young guns coming up like the 17 year olds 18 year olds and but i feel like i'm going to say something here but i feel like this has probably been said for centuries you know when you get to this stage you go oh the kids today they just don't have the same respect they don't you know and it's all like relevant right so i wonder or relative um to who you are like i guarantee if you know 30 years ago my dad probably said the same thing about you know the young pups that were coming up then so it's kind of hard to know isn't it like what's right what's wrong are we you know is there a right and wrong though, mate? Is there, yeah. Again, that's completely... I could talk to somebody, for instance... I, I'm, I'm always going to look back to coaching because that's obviously what I know, but if, if I'm in a... Cha- I'm back to football as well, in a changing room, as I said, you can look around the changing room and you can quickly identify, like, we're getting beat one at half time. You know who to walk up to quietly and say something in the ear. You know who to turn around and walk in front of the whole changing room and go like, mate, get your fucking finger out your ass. It's not good enough. And they'll puff up their chest and have a better performance. You know the ones you don't say a word to? They know what they've done wrong. They know how they can improve, and they go from there. I mean, knowing that, I mean, even your friends. I'm sure you know how to approach certain topics to your friends. Who you can, you can say to them. Oh, by the way, I, mean, I don't, I don't agree with what you've said there. And then I'll turn around at somebody else and say to them, just, I'm not going to say anything because they're very touchy and it's going to mm-hmm. cause a lot of aggro. That's again is. Yeah, I think, well, I think football is a great, it's always been for me as well, like a great analogy of life because you can tell a lot on the football pitch or in the changing room as you would do in life. So like what you just said there, I think translates definitely to even like CEOs or leaders or managers in business, you know, and if you treat everybody with the same brush, like you're, you're not going to get the answer that you want. But quite often, a lot of people don't do that, right? Or like don't realize that or don't have those skill sets and which is interesting because like, you know, you see it all the time where you're in a job and you're like, God, this person is a manager and they just don't have a clue how to properly coach people. Right. And then even if you drill down to relationships, um, I don't know if you've done this yourself, but have you ever done the love language test? 
I don't think, no, I don't think so. I've had a book that looked like Gary, but I've never done it there. Well, if there's any homework for any listeners, like I would say, do the, if you're in a partnership or relationship of any kind, like do the love language test. It's a bit like airy fairy, but like it, it is quite good. And it's just really about finding out the type of person that you are and what like what, what I suppose what kind of um, warms you in terms of um, different things. What I mean is like, you know, you can be some people like, you know, um, affirmations, you know, other people like quality time. Some people like touch, other people like gifts. Um, you know, I think I particularly like gifts, but you know, my wife Sue <laughs> likes quality time. So like walks and things like that are good for her. And we're actually thinking about like actually bringing this into the business because it'd be great to just have that knowledge. Like I didn't like even just doing that simple test and knowing that that's what she values was huge because sometimes, you know, she she might ask you to do that and you'd be like, oh, I'm not doing that, you know. And you don't realize that that's actually something that means something to her. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, maybe before the next podcast, do your love language test and let it, let the viewers know <laughs> what type I of mean, person you're. I feel you're. like, I feel like um, Sue's been stitched up there, mate. You need to take up for a walk and she has to buy you gifts. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a, an absolute stitch up. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem fair. Well, what ends up happening is like you, if you're a gift, well, if you like gifts, you ended up just gifting people things because you kind of want people to get the hint that like I like gifts, like it might give you, you got to give me, but it doesn't always happen like that. Um, you know? Well, I think, mate. I mean, I think this podcast we probably went on in a, a million different topics here, and the, the, probably the point was just to introduce what we're trying to do. I mean, I think that's probably a nice way for us to end today, right? That like. We've talked about lots of things as a bit of an intro, but really it can be just the smallest thing that can make a difference here, right? Yeah, I said, I think it's quality that you just said, mate. Just walk along Bondi, I'll walk along the coast and you're saying, how are you doing to somebody? Mm. And stop another conversation. That's massive, man. But yeah, it's, I mean, I think that's... that simple, it, right? Yeah, yeah that, that is, it can be simple, mate. And like everything, the simplest answer most often is the best answer. Uh, it's just trying to find that simple thing and doing it consistently. Mm. Um, but like you said, mate, we, we spoke about a lot of things, uh, and moving forward, obviously, like you've already alluded to earlier on, is we've got a, a long list of, of amazing people lined up to come on and discuss this mm. stuff further and give some more insight rather than just listening to us to talk a lot of shite. Yeah. But this is a good intro and like hopefully an insight to why we're doing this. And I think probably the easiest way to explain it is like you've said already is just try and make it completely normal to speak about this sort of thing and and, exactly. and realizing that there's, there's strategies out there and if you've got someone someone you have to speak to speak to people and then obviously there's professionals out there this is not our, we've in, in no way and no position to give professional advice regarding mental health but we can definitely ensure you get put in the right direction to go and speak to somebody exactly you know we're just Two, two mental lads giving our you know thoughts about things and you know we'll have people on as Gary mentioned but like we are not you know medical practitioners so if you are and um, struggling you know we do encourage you to you know reach out and get proper help um but hopefully you know you can pick up some things from what we're discussing you know over the course of the coming weeks and stuff and hopefully there is some good positive stuff in there if you'd like us to talk about a particular topic or something that maybe uh, you'd like us to delve into a little bit for, uh, further in terms of research or a particular person you want us to get on the show you know do get in touch we're on all socials and you can email us and um, I'll give you Gary's mobile number now in a second <laughs> you can call him 24 7 he's always available um, 
But yeah, like we and like you can be anonymous as well. Like, you know, if you don't want to share your name, that's totally fine. So I think, yeah, like anything like that, let us know and we'll we'll tackle it accordingly. Sweet, mate. Well, that was, that was uh, good to get started, mate, get it off the ground. And hopefully when lockdown's over, we can do one in person, do it properly. For sure. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll hopefully hear you or hear you all. Uh, see you all. I can't say that. What do you say in podcast land? Tune in next week. <laughs> <laughs> that big microphone, mate, you can say whatever you like. Yeah, how did the, how did the microphone go? Hopefully people heard yeah, it. Didn't even notice it, mate. Didn't even notice no. it was there. <laughs> and we won't talk about the technical issues before we got set up, but we got there in the end, you know, a little bit later. But um, <laughs> no, thanks for tuning in, everybody. And uh, yeah, we'll see you here soon. Don't forget to follow us on all the social media channels, including Instagram and Twitter at These Lands Are Mental. And if you do have a topic or a guest or subject that you want us to talk about, please do get in touch and send in your suggestions. Thanks for joining us on today's show. As mentioned at the beginning, if you are struggling with mental health, please do seek further assistance. Here's who you can get support from Lifeline, Beyond Blue, Bits Here and the Black Dog Institute.